Live with CDP, a weekly sports and entertainment podcast, live on YouTube, Facebook Live, Twitter, and on audio via Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Spotify, and Anchor FM. Now here's your host, Chris Pame. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to Live with CDP podcast on this Wednesday, August 17th, 2022, season four, episode 23. This is actually my 188th episode of all time today. I'm looking forward to my guest today. Uh, he uh, played in the Ontario Hockey League for five years as a defenseman with the uh, London Knights, the Owen Sound Attack, and he finished his OHL career up with the Windsor Spitfires this year, helping them to a Western Conference Championship, a uh, seven-game series against Flint, which was exciting. And then uh, they took on the Hamilton Bulldogs in an exciting OHL Finals where Hamilton won in seven games. But I'm looking forward to speaking to Andrew about his uh, hockey career and also in the Ontario Hockey League as well, and playing for three great franchises in the London Knights, the Owen Sound Attack, and those Windsor Spitfires as well. So just give me one second, guys, and I'm going to bring on Andrew, and uh, we'll talk a little hockey with them as well. Good afternoon, or should I say good morning, Andrew? Good morning. How are you? Good. How are you doing? Good. How's your summer going? I guess it's kind of been a short summer. Yeah, it's it's been a different type of scenario with the season pushed back and obviously going to the finals with the Bulldogs. Uh, so a little different off season for myself here. Kind of had to adjust to it and quick turnaround for this upcoming season. I was going to say, um, you didn't get the ending you wanted to your OHL career, but still uh, getting to that OHL championship series and taking the Bulldogs to seven games, tremendous season for the Windsor Spitfires. And what was that experience like playing in the OHL playoffs with Windsor and and uh, getting to the OHL finals against Hamilton? It was honestly just super humbling and honored to just be that far later like to get past all those teams was super difficult every team gave us really a good series every all the way through flint was just right there with us the entire time took them the game seven luckily came out with the win so it was honestly just an amazing experience a lot of relationships were built a lot of lifelong friends throughout the process a lot of memories as well on the locker rooms road trips uh, when you're in the playoffs, you, you get to go a little extra before the away game. So I know we had some great times at the hotels and some team meals that were uh, delivered to us by the organization itself. So it was an amazing experience all around from the organization to the relationships and lifelong memories with my friends that I made. I was going to say, I was at game five in Hamilton between the Spitfires and the Bulldogs. I got to do some freelance media work. And I don't know if you've been up to that press box in the first Ontario Center, but that catwalk, uh, that's kind of intimidating going up that. Yeah, it's uh, they had a professional team there forever. So it's got that, uh, they got a really big barn. It's kind of got that professional feel to it, kind of like, uh, in London with all the fans and for that game five and seven I'm pretty sure there were some fans in the upper bowl so they opened it up uh, compared to games one and two so it was pretty it was pretty awesome to get that experience in their building 
I know their fans were super loud and uh, super passionate as well. So we definitely weren't let down in that sense of regard as well. Well, luckily, uh, one of the guys raced for the Bulldogs to- showed me the back way to the press box because I'm not a fan of catwalks and in uh, high heights like that. So, but I was going to say a tremendous series against uh, Hamilton, and uh, I had one of the Bulldogs on my podcast on Monday, uh, Ryan Humphrey. Yeah, Ryan's a, a a good friend of mine. We've known each other since he was about five eight and just a little guy. He played with my brother for victory Honda for a couple of years. So that's how I know him. And then uh, me and him actually put together uh, the PBHH invitational with Brennan Hoffman and Ryan Beck as well. So that's kind of how uh, the, that's kind of how we both put it together through him playing with my brother, me knowing him for a very long time, being lifelong friends. So um, I couldn't be happier that the experience with the OHL finals was at the end of the day, it wasn't the, it wasn't the ending that I wanted, but I was happy for him and that he got a chance to move on to the Memorial Cup after a great season individually and as a team that he had with the Hamilton Bulldogs. So it was very excited for him. And I was going to say uh, he was from Northville, Michigan, which isn't far from my cousins. They live in Taylor, Michigan. And uh, I guess I was reading up on you. You're from uh, Columbia Station, Ohio. Is that correct? Yeah. Now, where's that in Ohio? Uh, towards a major city uh west of cleveland about 25 to 30 minutes west of cleveland it's near uh actually i'm 10 minutes down the street from where the monsters practice their uh it's called obm ice arena and strongsville it's their practice facility it's been my kind of my stomping ground since i was about five so uh, i like to call i like to tell people it's my my home rank and everything so uh, been around that atmosphere for a little bit since I've been little and growing up here, actually the team I, I got to play for, uh, as a double a player up until I was about 10, 11 years old, I played double a with, uh, Dylan and Tyler Duke currently, uh, Dylan Duke drafted by the Tampa Bay lightning currently plays at the university of Michigan. Tyler Duke, uh, just went to Toronto Maple Leafs development camp currently going to his first year at Ohio state. Also on that team, we had Shayla Edwards. Uh, she, she was, she was uh, my D partner. Actually, it's funny we we go way back, but she's currently playing for the University of Wisconsin. Plays on all the U.S. women's national teams and does all those events. So uh, it's pretty funny that in a kind of a really small, tight community of AAA Strongsville Mustangs, we were called, or AA Strongsville Mustangs, we were called, that we had kind of these players that came out of the system and had very successful careers. Uh, one, one of my uh, friends is a uh, late husband, uh, Fred McLeod, who was a well-known sports guy in Cleveland called the Cavalier games. I believe he was from that area as well. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's a very nice part of town. A lot of, a lot of the Browns and uh, guardians now uh, monsters, they all, uh, we know a lot of people that live in this area. I think, my brother always spots them driving down the street as well. I was going to ask you, as a, a Canadian, obviously, and I've been uh, covering the OHL as a fan for 40 years, I always knew about New York State and Michigan and, and Massachusetts. Is Ohio now starting to become a, more of a hockey state a little bit more? I believe so. Uh, we have a group of professional players and Division One players that train out of here in Cleveland specifically, uh, we have an ex-professional 
I train with two different uh, people here. I train with Russ Sankiewicz, played for the Cleveland Monsters, had a great professional career. And then Kenny Ryan as well, had a great professional career, actually a former Spitfire as well. So I train with both of those guys uh, currently throughout the week numerous times. And both of them just honestly have helped me grow in my game to where it is now. And I can't thank them enough. But a couple of no- notable names in the group are uh, Charlie Girard, plays for Lehigh Valley Phantoms. Tim Gettinger played a couple games with the New York Rangers, signed with them, played for a Hartford Wolfpack majority. Uh, we have a couple of new signees, Walker Summer, just signed with Wichita. Adam Scheel currently plays for the Dallas Stars. Uh, affiliate Texas, Justin Wells just signed in the East Coast League. So there's a lot of there's a lot of guys turning pro here out of Division One specifically. Uh, so it's it's very very uh, exciting time to be in Cleveland and be a hockey player for sure. We our group's getting bigger and better as the time rolls on. I was going to say it's great that you have a team in Ohio again with the Columbus Blue Jackets, but did your dad ever tell you about the Cleveland Barons? Uh, they had an NHL team in Cleveland in the late 70s uh, before they ended up moving to uh, Minnesota, I believe, in the 79, I guess. Yeah, that's they were the Lumberjacks, actually, when my dad played for them back in the day, and that's uh, how I grew up here, and that's why my roots are here in Cleveland. That's how I met my mother. So I live here with my mother in Cleveland, and that's the that's the old backstory. Played for the Lumberjacks and met my mom here. Great sports city, and I've been to Cleveland myself. They love the Browns. They love the Guardians. Uh, they love the Cavaliers. But I was going to ask you, out of those three major sports, which one is number one? Uh, I've actually never been to a Cavaliers game in my life. So okay, got to be last probably. Uh, for me, I think – I think the best experience I've had was uh, going to a Browns game with my buddies. Uh, got the full experience two years ago, kind of before COVID hit. Uh, we we ended up going to the Ravens versus Browns game. So Lamar Jackson was in town. It was super fun. I, I, I'm pretty sure the next day he was sports center top 10. He was like four of the plays. So it was, it was a pretty exciting game for sure that we got to watch uh, Baker Mayfield and the lineup as well so two highly touted players is really fun but i go to guardian games all the time with my buddies as well and those are as equally as fun yeah i was gonna say i'm a tigers fan by the way tigers red wings pistons university of michigan wolverine so um i'm assuming you're an ohio state buckeye guy yes i am no worries no worries you're cool um i was gonna say and uh do you think Cleveland, yes or no, do you think Cleveland nowadays could support an NHL team if they ever the NHL decided to put one back in the city? I think it could be a possibility for sure. I know, um, I mean, with the Cavaliers, Guardians, and Browns, th- those places are packed. Um, I know the Monsters growing up, those that, that building would pack as well. I, I remember when, uh, forget what year it is, but it was when Zach Renski came out of University of Michigan uh, to play for the Monsters for their Calder Cup, and they ended up winning it that year. I remember going to a couple games as a little kid, and it, it was super exciting, super packed, and everyone around in the area was just super excited for another another championship team, to be honest, and everyone was super excited. Just kind of had the parade and not, just more atmosphere, more winning in the area, so everyone was excited. I think that was the same year that the Cavaliers won their first championship, 2016, I believe. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, I, I, it was a really big deal around town when LeBron came back. That's uh, he's 
uh, definitely someone like from Cleveland. He's just, if you think of anyone from Cleveland, that's probably the first person you think of. So, or me being an older guy, I would say Jim Brown, the late, or not the late Jim Brown, but the great Jim Brown. But you're right. As of right now, current, any current athlete you think of Cleveland, it has to come to LeBron James. Do you think you'll ever come back to Cleveland one more time? Uh, I have no idea. I mean, I, it'd be crazy around here for sure again. And then he'd probably leave after a year, but, uh, I probably not. <laughs> I'm guessing. Hey, as for the guardians, I'm still getting used to the name. They're actually having a pretty good season and they're first in the AL central and Terry Francona has done a really good job with that team over the years. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm actually a Chicago Cubs fan. Uh, okay. Why not? Uh, my mom's side of the family is from Chicago, uh, grew up there. Okay. So, uh, I played baseball my entire life growing up. I, I was holding a bat in my hand since I could. So, uh, and my uncle, my uncle Mike actually was my baseball coach my entire life growing up. I played freshman year of high school and then sophomore year I took off for hockey. And then junior year was my freshman or uh, was my rookie year in the Ontario Hockey League with London. And actually, I did my school online through Ohio. So we got swept in playoffs that year by Owen Sound. So we were, our season was done early. So I actually came back and played baseball again for my high school here in Cleveland. And I was all county, all district. Uh, I batted like uh, above 450. So it was really exciting. But my uncle was my baseball coach my entire life growing up. And he is a huge, huge Chicago Cubs fan. So the town I live in, Columbia Station, we were the Columbia Cubs. So it's funny. There was a rule in our town that our, our town colors green. So our high school, all our sports are green and white and black and Cubs are blue and red. So all of our youth teams were green and there was a rule that you had to be your town color. And he fought and fought and we finally got the permission. We, we switched to the Columbia Cubs and we were blue and red. So everyone knew who we were when we came into the town. We were the only Columbia team that wasn't green, white, and black. So it was funny. I was going to ask you this, um, Andrew. What position did you like playing in baseball, or did you have a number of positions that you enjoyed playing? Uh, I was just shortstop my pretty much majority of my career growing up with baseball. And then as I got older, I kind of became a utility player in the sense uh, – Pitch, pitch, like guys would. So if our first baseman had a pitch, I'd go and play first base. If our center fielder had a pitch, I would go and play center field that game. Or if I had to pitch, I would pitch. If our catcher had to pitch, I'd catch. So in the sense of that, I kind of became uh, just a utility player where whoever had to pitch that night, I, I would just, I'd play their position for the game. Did you have a favorite baseball moment? Yes. Uh, the first time, so forever, we, we were terrible when we first started, like kind of just like the bad news bears, so bad. And everyone was like, if we stick with it, we're going to be, we're going to, we're going to be a good team eventually. But it's so many athletic kids on our team. And I mean, I was the height I am now as, as like a, as a 12 year old, it was crazy, but um, we had so many athletic kids. My cousin played on the team was just this huge hitter, put it over, putting it over the fence and stuff when we were like 12, but Stuck with it, stuck with it, and like five years down the road, we won our first conference championship, and I just remember how excited we were as little kids running around the field. Like the team we beat, we went to the conference finals the year before, lost to them, 
the year before we lost in like the semis conference finals. So we finally got there. We finally won, beat this highly talented team in kind of the area. And it was just like the most excited. The first kind of the, I think that's the first thing I've won outside of hockey. And it was just super excited. And my uncle was super happy. And it was just a really close family. Like when you're that age, you play baseball, you usually play your baseball game. And then it's so the summertime. So you play your baseball game and you're at someone's house right after you're having a, uh, nice bonfire barbecue. So it was like a family. Okay. I was going to say, and I, uh, I played baseball too, but I obviously wasn't good enough to the, I just played house league baseball and I love playing catcher in third base. Third base to me was my favorite position because it's called the hot corner. And that's where a lot of the action is And catcher. I like too, because it was sort of like playing goalie in hockey, which I did as well. Yeah. I, I caught catching's hard. Uh, it was, really hard when I had to do it a couple of times. Third base, I, I played there quite a bit. Uh, I, had a, I had a pretty good infield glove, so I, I would roam around the infield quite a bit. And then as I got older, I kind of learned how to play outfield. I could run really well. I was a pretty fast runner. I had a strong arm as well. So uh, I remember the, one of our outfielders had to pitch, and our coach, my uncle, was like, well, who wants to go out there? And I was like, I'll, I'll do it, whatever. So I went out there and just – gunning people down from the outfield. So it kind of stuck with it a little bit. Uh, yeah. Are you, do you play any other sports too? Like are you into basketball, golf and that? I love golf. I'm, I love playing golf. I'm not very uh, good. I'd say right now, but I want, I want to get good at it. I'm really trying to teach myself how to play and really close to maybe paying for lessons here, but no, I, I, I play golf with my buddies all the time from, from here, from back from high school, we actually have a group chat uh, called Golf Golf Gentlemen. But we uh, we just constantly, anytime we can find any any time to go play around in nine, we're constantly going to play. And then my entire life growing up, I played football as well since I was like five years old. I, I played football. I played freshman year of high school. Played varsity uh, for my high school, and got got to have that experience as well growing up, and was super happy that I, I got to experience that. It was something it like the football atmosphere is very different like the pre-game atmosphere is very different compared to hockey and it's so it, i would say it's a lot more energy bumping around banging heads uh kind of just just kind of being a like a lunatic an animal kind of just running into guys headbutting guys and stuff before the game is constantly crazy running through the field five times down and back before the game even starts so I, I i love that energy and I, I try to bring it a little bit to hockey as well to kind of get myself and my teammates going so i love i love that i got to experience that and that energy and playing friday night lights type of uh like you see in the football movie or the show yeah, whatever. yeah. so got to experience that and it was super fun what position did you play in football? And by the way, the last time I golfed was 1994. And if you ever saw the movie Happy Gilmore, it makes Happy Gilmore look like a good golfer. I was terrible. I wanted to use a hockey stick to hit that golf ball. Yeah, sometimes I wish I had a hockey stick putter like uh, Happy Gilmore. That'd be pretty cool. But I got to learn how to putt uh, the proper way. But no, for football, I was inside linebacker and fullback on the offensive side. What number did you like to wear in football? Uh, football is different. Yeah, you didn't really get the pick as much. I was 24 
seventh, eighth grade when I kind of got the pick. And then um, high school, there was 24 was already taken. So it was between, I think I was like, I can't even remember what number it was. I think it was 32. Good was, number 30. Yeah, I think I was 32 for football. I think that's the number Jim Brown, the late or Jim Brown wore for the Cleveland Browns back in the sixties. I know I'm dating myself. That's a good number. My favorite number is num- number nineteen for Steve Eiserman. Yeah, I usually do a I usually do a number for uh, someone myself or someone in my family. So in London, I was twenty four. It's my birthday, and then in Owenstown, I was eight. It's my birth month, and then uh, in Windsor, I was five eight. Uh, my brother's month is May, and I'm August, so 5-8. Okay, and that answers that question as well. Sandra Murray's watching, so um, actually I thought she was going to ask a question, but Ken uh, Bateson, who's, uh, I guess, a fan of the Flint Firebird, uh, wants to ask you, I guess Andrew has to be a fan favorite. Great interview. Okay, Ken, well, thank you. And uh, Ken or Sandra, if you have any questions, uh, feel free to ask as well. Sandra has been great. Uh, um, just very supportive of my podcast. I'm trying to get into radio at the age of 50. It's like a, it's like sports. It's not always how you start a game. It's how you finish it. And that's what I'm trying to do in later in my life is to do something I have a passion for. And, and I was going to say, this leads to my next question, Andrew. Um, when did you decide that you wanted to pursue a career in hockey? Whew, that was, I remember kind of the entire week month that I was deciding what I wanted to do because uh, I really loved playing football and baseball and uh, quite frankly I was pretty good at both as well I, I, I probably could have played four years of football four years of baseball and went that went the college route if I if I really wanted to if I worked as hard as I did at hockey so I, I was very very hard for me that's that's kind of why I went back and played that junior year because I, I missed I missed it and I wanted to play if I could, I wanted to play. So that's why, but it was about, it was, it was after my freshman year of high school, sophomore year is when I decided truly to put it, uh, put my mind towards hockey. Um, at that time I was living in Cleveland, but playing for Bell Tire out in Detroit and playing varsity football and playing varsity baseball. So, um, I thank my mom every day for this. So she would drive me from Cleveland two to three times a week out to Detroit to play for Bell Tire after I got done with my varsity football practices every day of the week. So I would Monday through Thursday, you practice for football. Friday's the game. I'm pretty sure practices for Bell Tire were Tuesdays and Thursdays. So my coach, uh, Cam Ward, was uh, my coach for football or Jason Ward was my coach for football. Amazing person. I still talk to him every day. It's just an amazing influence on my life and super passionate about everything that I'm doing right now with hockey. We actually play NHL all the time. He's very competitive, but um, he was super understanding with my hockey career and kind of knowing it was what it was what I was going to pick after the, the year concluded. So I got to miss Tuesday's football practice to go out to Detroit. So it was easier for my mom. And then Thursday I would go to practice and leave like 30 minutes early to get out to Bell Tire practice. So that was my entire fall winter uh, year. And then 
kind of towards the end of hockey season, baseball would start. So it was the same, it was the same idea, uh, going right from baseball all the way to Detroit for hockey and then coming back that same night. So I'd go to high school the next morning. So it was definitely a crazy year, but, um, sophomore year was the year I moved out to Michigan, went to TPH center of excellence and just kind of put all my chips into one basket with hockey and, I know my mom moved out there with me because we we sat down and was like, this this is what I want to do. This is what I want to make a career out of. So um, my dad paid for my TPH center of excellence. My mom paid for me to live out there. So I wasn't driving. So I had more time and energy to focus on hockey. So I played for Honeybaked U16 that year under Jason Deskins. And uh, we had an amazing season, ended up getting drafted a lot. And then that's kind of where I'm at today. I was going to say, Andrew, people don't realize, the fans don't realize how important parents are behind athletes, especially uh, younger athletes, and also billet families, too. So, yeah, super important. Ahead. I mean, I talk to all my billet families that I've been through, uh, my three teams, every day. Um, love all of them to death. All of them have left a lasting impression on me and an influence on me. And I'm the person I am today because of each and every one of them. And for them to open their homes, like for all bills to open their homes to us, uh, a random stranger coming into town that just wants to play for the local hockey team with dreams of playing in the NHL some days, uh, definitely takes a special individual, individualized family, like a special family to do that. So for them to, for people to open up their homes like that, it's, it's, it's very encouraging for me and it's definitely the type of impression I want to leave on someone someday myself. Uh, for me, it's just kind of taking the shirt off their back and giving it to me type of expression. And um, I treat all, all every one of them like it's family. Now we're a family with all of them. And I was going to, and that's going to lead to my next question in a minute, but Ken just wanted to say Western conference finals was a great series. Congrats on a great uh, conference finals, Andrew. Uh, thanks Ken and Sandra Murray, who's one of my biggest supporters and uh, really nice people. She's like an encyclopedia of knowledge and stuff like that. Uh, your mother is a rock star. I can see where you get your dedication to excellence. Yeah, she is a rock star for sure. A lot of, uh, I'm definitely, I def, I can say for sure that I wouldn't be where I am today without her. Um, there's nothing that she wouldn't have done for me or wouldn't do for me right now if it meant that I wanted to go out and do it. She's been the first person every time if I said I wanted to do something, she's, how do we do this? When do we do it? How can I help you? My showcase Mom, I want to put together a showcase for the OHL players because we lost the season. Okay, how do we do this? When are we going to do it? What do you need from me? Mom, we, well, we lost the season. I want to go overseas to Europe and play in Slovakia. How do we do it? When are you going to go? How can I help? So everything. Just we did We did the Detroit drive for three years before I moved out there as well. We did it for three years. So like, she quit her job so I could do it at the time because she she couldn't work while I did it and my stepfather of uh, 15 years was providing for us as well and super uh love him to death like super helpful just 
anything I needed, wanted to help as well. Super supportive and behind me with all my dreams as well. So um, just can't thank my family enough from the top to bottom, from my grandpa, my uncle that I live, that I'm very close with. We actually live on the same property, two houses on the same property. So they've been to all my sporting events growing up. And my uncle was my football, baseball coach forever. So, and my dad, my, my biological dad is just, we call every day, twice a day. So just super close family. Him and my mom have a great relationship right now too. They're, we joke around that they're best friends and everything because they are so supportive of me and my brother with everything we want to do and my little brother as well. That is awesome. Um, I was, I'm going to get this other question. I'm going to wait, but I wanted to ask you this one. I do this with all my guests too, Andrew. Um, besides your mom, obviously she was a imp- big impact in your life and also your uncle. Did you have any other mentors when you were first starting up in sports? Um, honestly, I would say my dad as well. Like my dad was always there for me, always helping and giving me advice my entire life growing up through the sport. He's been through about every experience you could possibly experience in the game of hockey himself. So he had a lot of wisdom for me as well. But, um, other than my, my uncle, like just family, every, all my family has helped me. And then for my coaches, I've just – I've had incredible coaches in all my sports. Jason Ward was my high school football coach. I, I talk to him every time I see him every day. I'm actually going to their first football game next Friday uh, to support the younger class of kids coming up. Uh, Dan Durani was my baseball football coach as well. Love him to death. Great individual, great human being. Just so many people in my life. Uh, so many coaches that I've had that are influenced me so much. Like this last year, I had great coaches in Owen Sound and Windsor, just lifelong, life like lifelong friends. Can call or text any one of them as long as I want. Dale Hunter, amazing coach. All of them have left a lasting impression on me and and have influenced me to become a better hockey player, a better individual. Just everything I am today is just kind of taking bits and pieces from everybody. Okay. Um, I was going to ask you this question. We all know as fans and, and, and the physical aspects of being a hockey player and being training, but what are um, some of the mental aspects of being a hockey player, especially in on the Ontario Hockey League? Um, it's, it's very, uh, very regiment. Like you have a routine. Uh, and for me, I, I love it. I love having kind of, the same the same plan or being planned out so you definitely are on a a very routine schedule come season time with practices games usually play on the same day like when i was in windsor home games are thursdays uh every thursday and i went down on saturdays so you get pretty used to the schedule and just mentally it's just it's just kind of just keeping yourself prepared and you just want to keep pushing yourself every day you just want to get better every day because in the end of the day a lot of the main reason everyone goes to the ohl is you want to move on you want to move past the ohl you want a career in professional so it's coming in and knowing that you got better that day and then coming in the next day you got better than yesterday so that was kind of my mindset i just wanted to get better every day because i i 
I just wanted to move on. And that's at the end of the day, that's why I chose the OHL. That's why I chose London in the end to go there. And I'm very, I'm very happy with how it all worked out for me personally. Cause I was going to say, I guess Sandra Murray works with uh, a number of uh, clients and stuff like that as well. Off the ice stuff. Cause the fans don't see that, that you guys are, um, hockey players young athletes are um human too and there's other sides of the the sport besides being on the ice off the ice is what i meant there too yeah there's a lot that goes not only hockey i think but into being um an, an elite athlete um a lot of outside noise from from people that you have to block out um constantly whether it's fans or critics or any anything like that, you kind of just have to be in the moment with yourself. No, be true to who you are as a person. Don't lose who you are. Have your morals, and just kind of have to have a confidence to yourself. Like, it, like if you see something or hear about something, it's it's just like it's in one ear out the other. Or it's you brush it right off your shoulder because a lot a lot of players that I've played with especially in my career so far have like the best kind of the ones that have been the best at that have had a, have had a confidence to them. That's it's nothing can deter them from what they, what they want to accomplish or what their dream is. So it's, it's a lot of uh, mental preparation and stuff like that. And just not only are you training your body, but you're training your mind. And nowadays kids are getting, younger and younger and how fast the game's growing. So kids are nowadays train doing that as well. Learning what I have 12 year olds learning what I'm learning now. And people who are 28 years old are probably saying the same thing about me. So um, it's, it's just a constant cycle of how fast the world is moving, not only in everyday life, but in, in sports and athletics as well. I was going to ask you this. I know as a camera operator for Rogers, it was tough with the pandemic because I love doing camera work for the Gulf Storm Games at the Sleeman Center. How tough was the pandemic as an athlete and a hockey player? And how did you keep yourself uh, physically and mentally ready to go when the OHL did come back into action? Um, for me, it was my mindset was this is a this is a bad situation, but what what can i do what in this situation what can i control what how can i go above and beyond um to make myself better to be, to be ready to be better prepared to i guess not lose that development um step that i needed that year to move on to professional in the long in the long run so for me it was just taking advantage of any any ice any workout i could cuz you never knew when anything was going to shut down and i personally was very fortunate uh living in the state of ohio we didn't we actually didn't shut down much uh, my skating coach actually i go and skate with kim muir out in detroit is my skating coach and she actually came to cleveland for two weeks because michigan was shut down at the time but ohio was open so i was like we'll come here and bring bring your detroit clan out here with you to cleveland we can we can get two weeks going so she did that but I was very fortunate in that sense. And then for me personally, I, I just, I think I did, I was very happy with how I grew as a person individually, I believe, uh, with, with how I, I believe I stepped up for my peers, uh, starting that, sh like 
starting the showcase with Ryan Beck, Brent Hoffman, Ryan Humphrey. Uh, I was very proud of um, those individuals, everyone that came to my aid to help and just everyone that put their, because it was volunteer. Anyone who helped, it was volunteer. I, I had nothing to give other than you're just, you're helping me and I, I just can't appreciate it enough. So everyone did it out of the kindness of their hearts. And I can't thank anyone who helped in that regard enough. So for me personally, uh, that was a little bit of stepping out of my comfort zone, doing something like that. I've never been really uh, kind of someone to do something like that, I guess. But uh, I started with my letter to the league that I put out publicly. I think I was very nervous to do that and kind of how the reaction was with that, but all the reaction and feedback from my letter to kind of try to get the season going that was to the OHL and the government of Canada was all positive towards me. So that gave me a lot of confidence when the season was permanently shut down for that year to be like, Hey, let's, what's the next step for everyone? Cause I'm I'm really close to a lot of guys who lost their last year in the OHL. Uh, Carter Robertson, Adam Master, Sergey Popov, Barrett Kerwin. Uh, those were the guys that were going to come back. And Owens, Caleb Pearson, another guy. So six players we had on Owen Sound alone that lost the season due to the pandemic. So really close with all of them and constantly talking to them and I just felt so I felt so bad I just so I, I'm a very I'm the type of person if I can help someone that I will so I, I thought that was kind of my help if I, if I could do something and I know there's a lot of positive experiences from my showcase and a lot of people's lives and careers changed so uh, I couldn't be any happier with the outcome I was going to say, speaking of the longtime fan of the Ontario Hockey League, I really, I voiced my opinion and I really thought the league should have given the overagers uh, another year of eligibility to play because of the pandemic. It was a, uh, it wasn't something that was planned on happening. It only happens every hundred years. And I really think they should have made an exception uh, for the overagers so they could finish out their junior careers one more year. Yeah, it was, it was definitely, uh, no one no one could have expected or predicted any of that to happen so it was it was new it was new it was just new for everyone like no one really knew what to do as soon as it started i i was just joking around the other day when with someone about the two week thing when we all thought it was going to be two weeks uh so long ago and yes still happening today uh so it's it's been a long journey for a lot of people and I think it was just it was a, it was really hard on a lot of people so I, I'm just kind of for me personally I was just how can I not dwell on this and kind of fall into a pit or into a hole of anxiety or depression nowadays is such a uh su such a big topic because it's so I guess popular right now like people are constantly coming down with with it so for me um i wanted to work on myself and see see like honestly just see what i could do to 
not only better myself, but better the community around me, better my peers. So I was very uh, fortunate to, like I said, to have an amazing group of people with me and behind me the whole way through everything I did. The letter, um, I actually, Ethan Burroughs, really close friend of mine, uh, him and his mother helped me uh, kind of with the confidence side and his mother proofread it for me because uh, sometimes my grammar could be bad, but uh, he was super supportive of me uh, in doing that. And so were other people as well, Matt Gusta, Mark Woolley, uh, Carter Robertson again. So a lot of, a lot of dear friends were super supportive of everything I did. And it just, it helped encourage me to put myself out there and, and do kind of new things in a new time. So I was very, I was very happy with everything. Yeah. yeah with myself during the pandemic, I can't believe we created this podcast during March of 2020. So uh, to me, this has been a career path for me, but it also got me through uh, the tough times where everything was taken away from me. Now I got to ask you this, Andrew, what was it like being on the ice in practice for the first time after the pandemic this season uh, with the Owen Sound attack? What was it like being with your teammates again, being back on the ice and back in Owen Sound to start the season? I think the first skate, that we had as a, an entire group, I think I think we all just like <clears throat> we all like looked at each other and just choked. We're like, "Oh my God, we are here right now!" And a couple guys screamed out in in excitement. Like it was it was literally just there's really no way to describe how it felt because everyone just looked at each other and was like. Like, is this a dream right now? <laughs> or are we actually skating right now in Owen Sound together? So it was, it was amazing. And I bet everyone around the league had that same exact feeling. Yeah, and I was like that too. Just to even get it, doing a preseason game last year, I was so excited to be back in the rink with uh, the Rogers TV and the crew and being around the players, the Storm players again before the games as well. I To me, I appreciate now being at sporting events and doing what I'm doing again, even more than before the pandemic. Yeah, for sure. Um, I I didn't really, my dad's been telling this, telling me this since I was 12 years old, but the pandemic really put it into like a huge perspective for me. But he's always told me that um, it can be taken away from, the game could be taken away from you in a snap of a finger. So you should always go out and play like it's going to be your last game. And I know people hear that probably all the time. They've probably been told themselves by it, but I think the pandemic and a full season being taken away from you should really, it just, it should just definitely open your eyes to that saying for sure when it comes to anything, because it, it could just, anything could be taken away from you realistically. 100% agree. This leads to my next question, uh, Andrew. I was going to ask you this. Uh, what was it like uh, being an American kid, being drafted into the OHL by the uh, London Knights, who are one of the premier franchises in Canadian in the Canadian Hockey League? And what was that experience like playing in London, I think, for two years or a year and a half? Yeah, it was a year and a half. Um, it was crazy when I found out I was going – Till on a nice every I, I mean 
it's just such a staple in the hockey community. Like everyone knows who they are, who the coaches are, how they run their, their organization, the talent that's come out of the organization. So I was deeply honored and humbled to her, see my name called online uh, when the draft happened. I actually had a game that day, uh, U16 nationals, but um, I was super honored to be drafted by them. And, I just remember going into training camp and just the talent and the players that they had at the time. Victor Mete was still there. He made Montreal that year, but he was he was at camp. Uh, Robert Thomas, Max Jones, Cliff Pooh, Sam Militech, um, just all these, Evan Bouchard, all these guys that are playing professional now and not only playing but excelling professionally. So um, as a 16-year-old, it was very uh, intimidating for sure. Uh, going into that setting and you just wanted to be quiet and kind of listen and let everything come to you as slowly as it possibly could, but it was all rushing at you as fast as it possibly could. So um, I just, I just remember ta- like my, like it was day to day for like everything So you walk into the room, like for games. So if you walked into the room after school and your jersey was hanging up, you were in. If you were, if it wasn't hanging up, you were out. So I remember the first – for me, it was like goal one, getting to preseason game number one because mo- all I've heard is rookies usually don't play in that game. So I ended up getting into that game, actually scored a goal off a pass from Robert Thomas. And I know it's preseason, but I'm pretty sure it's the only time I've scored where he's assisted it. So I still count it as a goal because of who assisted it. Uh, so, but I was, that was goal number one. Then goal number two was start in the first regular season game. And I ended up doing that as well. And just kind of setting these weekly goals for myself and these short-term goals that I wanted to just keep achieving throughout the season. And um, I, I learned so much from the staff that entire season and how important I mean, that entire season I learned it was for me, it was learning how to play defense and in juniors because I was a 16 year old going against 20 year olds, NHL draft picks. I mean, Andre Svechikov was in the league that year and he was probably the best player I've ever seen in my life that year for Barry. And for me, it was just learning how to play defense. So it was super important in my building blocks as a player to play there and have them teach me the proper ways of defense as a young kid. I was going to say, was it uh, a little bit intimidating meeting Dale Hunter and Mark Hunter? Because they've had such a long career in the NHL, and they've been running the Knights since uh, 2000. What was your dealings like with them? Super positive. Um, Great people, um, great individuals, super nice people. yeah, they're they're pretty intimidating as a sixteen-year-old uh, walking in there. It's very professionally ran. Um, it's everyone says like a mini NHL, and it definitely is in the sense of the building itself with the fans and how they run uh, their operations and their organization. So um, it was intimidating at first for sure, but as I got more and more comfortable, it it just became natural and every day for me. And um, they were super, super nice people They're They put, obviously they own the team as well. So 
um, put out a lot of money for the team's success. Like they really care about the individuals and put out a lot of money to make sure that we're taken care of in every sense of treatment, equipment, um, things away from the ice, team meals, Christmas gifts where we had Christmas gifts. So it was honestly just, it was first class for sure there. I was going to say, did you have any dealings with Mike Stubbs and Jim Van Horn, uh, the Knights radio guys? Yes. I, uh, I love Stubbsy. Stubbsy is the best. He is a amazing person. Uh, helped me out with my, uh, showcase. He was one of the first people I texted to, if I could come on his show podcast to kind of promote it, uh, in the public light. So, um, yeah, Stubbsy's great. Uh, does a great job with the young guys for sure as well. I was young when I was there and uh, being in front of camera as a 16 year old for the first time is a, it's definitely scary at first. Your uh, hands are very sweaty and you're making sure that you don't stutter or say the same thing over and over. So he was definitely very, uh, he was definitely very slow with the rookies and very understanding in the sense that, we're 16 year olds and this is very scary. <laughs> I was going to say, I've had Mike on my podcast twice and Jim Van Horn and even Greg Sloan. And uh, they've been really great. And Mike's been really supportive of uh, what I'm trying to do as well. And uh, you've been lucky too. You also had Steve Bell and Manny Pava with the Windsor Spitfires. And I believe in Owen Sound, it was Fred Wallace and uh, Mark McKelvey, who's one of my friends, uh, does some work for the uh, Owen Sound attack as well. Yeah, I've had, uh, amazing announcers. Uh, luckily, I've had announcers that all like me. Uh, so when they're announcing the game, uh, and I, I rewatch it back, everything is positive. So even after I've got I've gotten traded, I've rewatched games back, and after I've gotten traded from London, Owen Sound was positive on their end. When I was in Windsor, from Owen Sound was positive. So uh, that's that's always a bonus for sure. But. No, just great human beings, um, great individuals. They they really take care of that side of the game for the players as well. Like media is uh, definitely very scary nowadays. You can say one wrong thing and um, your life could be ruined. Uh, so they're they're very understanding that. I mean, even as a twenty year old this past year in Windsor, like I'm I'm young, I'm growing, I'm learning. I I, I make mistakes. I'm so young still in my life. So they, they understand that and they're super understanding and super intelligent in the sense of wording their questions and coming when to interview us, when not maybe to interview us. So I can't thank those individuals enough. And honestly, they, they just, they all do did a, a wonderful job. Okay. Um, I have a few more questions. Are you all right for a few more questions, Andrew? Yeah. Okay, just wanted to check. Um, how I had to ask you this too because uh, a lot of fans don't realize this too. You guys are all young men between sixteen and twenty. How difficult was it when you were told by London that he had traded you to the Owen Sound Attack, and what was that experience being like? What was that experience like uh, being traded? Probably, probably the first time in your life. Um, it was definitely, it was just crazy because. Uh, you don't get traded in minor hockey. So it was like, yeah. wow, uh, you've been traded. So it's, it's just kind of a, a little taste of, uh, the professionalism 
in the sport. And as a 17 year old at the time, it was uh, just kind of weird, a weird feeling, but um, my dad's from Owen Sound. I've skated there before when I was little, 11, 12 at the rink. I knew Dale uh, DeGray very well. My dad coached there for a couple of years. So I was very familiar with the area, the ownership or the organization itself. And I, I knew that for me personally, it was it was the right step in my development and it's what I needed. So I was very, I was nervous for sure going into a new environment because I've already, I already did it once and I, I felt like I've already gotten past that kind of uh, uncomfortable new feeling that you had when I first got to London. So now I was like, oh, I got to do it again with new people and a new team. So it was uh, definitely a little nervous in that sense, but excited in a sense that I knew in my in my in my heart and then in my head that uh, it was the right move for me at the time, individually for my personal building blocks and development heading down the road. So um, there's definitely a change of scenery with the home crowd now in London booing you as an away person. So uh that was different for sure but both world-class organizations uh top to bottom just really take care of their players really care about the individuals themselves and there wasn't really anything bad about either organization that i could say that I, i've had an experience with it was obviously you have your bad days like you're but that's just on ice that's you yep. have practice you had a bad game but nothing where it was anything to do with the organization itself or I was unhappy where I was at all first class and super supportive. And actually I, I starting my year with Owen sound this year. Uh, I, I, I don't, the Jordan Hills, the D coach there, uh, Joey Hishon just left, uh, but he was the forward coach. Uh, Alan Latang and Greg Walters were my two head coaches and, all of them were just super amazing. I mean, Jordan Hill is the man. He is great. Uh, he should be coaching professionally soon, in my opinion. There's so many, like just this year, our like the some of the rookies we had. If you saw them from training camp to at the end of the year, it was just mind blowing what he did in further developments. And when I got to Windsor, uh, as an older guy, Andy Delmore just just kind of taking my game to the next level as well. So just everyone super supportive in every organization. I was going to say uh, the Owen Sound attack for many years, uh, being a Storm fan and doing camera work, Owen Sound attack, they might not have always had the most talented lineups, but one thing I always notice about that franchise uh, over the years is that team, the attack was always a hardworking uh, team. They were always difficult to play against. Yeah, and they still have that same uh, identity to them, including this year. I mean, I'm, I I didn't think that they would have taken Flint to seven in the first round. And for them to go that far and to work so hard, I mean, they took us to seven uh, two rounds later. So, it, I mean, Flint was an amazing team, top to bottom, really well put together one tip of that like they could have taken the western conference with one one shot one like one play so 
Uh, the fact that they took them the seven first round really shows their integrity and their character as a group and as a whole. Cause a lot of people probably wouldn't have thought that they would have done it. Maybe a few that knew them personally, like myself knew that it was possible, but very unlikely, but just there's the organization is just like, never die. Like never say never die. Like if, if, if we're on the ice, if we're down five nothing, I mean, we still got time on the clock. We're we're not out of this game. It was kind of the attitude, kind of the underdog type of feel. Um, definitely, just a little back, little old school throwback type of uh, identity as well with the hard hitting in your face hockey, the never quit, the love going to the dirty areas type of play, standing in front of the net, blocking shots with your face type of. Uh, cliches that you hear about but we were doing it in Owen Sound so we we loved that identity we relished it and we embraced it for sure uh and it was it was awesome we had a great time okay and I was gonna say just a couple more questions this one I had to ask you um thoughts on being traded to Windsor and thoughts on head coach Mark Servard and the Spitfires coaching staff and how much of an adjustment was it to, to fit into the Spitfire system um, when you got there? Um, it was comfort- It was kind of a comfortable transition being older this time, um, kind of established in the league. Um, Mark Savard goes back, uh, played with my dad, so uh, kind of had a pers- personal relationship with him before heading there. He knew my dad. They've uh, played together on Oshawa, so my dad knew uh, who he was as a person, as a coach and knew how smart and intelligent, obviously he was as a player himself. So could definitely help me progress my game. Uh, it was, a, it was a little bit of a transition period uh, at the beginning with systems uh, definitely coming from Owen sound. There's a little bit of different systems for myself that I had to learn and adjust to, but um, for the most part it was super easy transition. They embraced me with open arms and, Bill Bowler actually played with my dad too and has family connections. So that guy works his ass off for all his players and is super just, uh, just like the funniest guy ever too. Honestly, his sarcasm is to die for is super funny, but no, he is super passionate about the game of hockey and super dedicated to each and every one of his players. I mean, you could go into his office and talk to him at any time about, anything and you if you asked him for something he was writing on his notepad making sure he put a note of it and it was done so us from top to bottom the ownership took care of us we had a lot of uh equipment manager like everything in that sense was given to us and really well taken care of meals everything hotels when we got to playoffs were super nice we so everything top to bottom, the owners were super classy, super nice. Equipment managers, Andy Delmar, uh, Juggy, four coaches, everything, all the coaching staff was perfect. Just a little adjustment period with systems, I would say. Tremendous organization. And everybody obviously talks about the London Knights, which is well-deserved. But the Windsor Spitfires have won three Memorial Cups since 2009, and they won back-to-back, and it's a tremendous organization. So what an honor to be able to play for that franchise as well. Yeah, uh, I'm definitely super humbled, uh, the organizations I've I've played for. Um, 
each of I mean each of them have their own unique kind of uh, they have their unique sense of first class to them and uh, history to them. I mean London has a track record of everyone they put in the NHL winning organization every year, contending every year. Owen Sound, 30, I think they're one of only three CHL teams that have 30-plus win seasons for the last 12 years in a row. Windsor, like you said, three Memorial Cups since 2009. Remarkable NHLers, same with Owen Sound in London. So uh, just super humbled to have played for amazing organizations like that are probably world-renowned that you could talk to someone in Europe and they would know who they were and where they are. Okay. Um, are you okay for a few more minutes? Yep. Okay. Just wanted to check. I worry too much. Uh, but uh, I was going to say this one, I had to ask you, uh, what will you miss the most about playing in the Ontario hockey league? And, and how did you come about signing a, a one-year deal with the American hockey league's rock Rockford ice hogs? Um, one thing I'll miss probably will miss I'll definitely miss the luxury of food and laundry done for me when I have to do that myself for sure big change uh yes for sure but uh probably just kind of just like the chat like the I guess the the childish sense of you're, you're still kind of a kid you're a teenager in the Ontario League and you can do teenager things and just kind of be silly, be weird and funny and just kind of do a bunch of those things. But now transitioning into professional, it's, I mean, it was a job before in junior and that's how I treated it, but it is a job now, I guess is the best way to put it. Like it's you're, you're fighting for your, your life out there now or, you don't sign next year or you're sent down for the rest of the year and you're not making as much money. So it's, it's definitely uh, a change in that regard for sure. And it's probably a little bit, I haven't experienced it yet. I've heard it is, but it's probably definitely a little bit more cutthroat professional. Like if you're not doing the job, you're down where in the OHL you're drafted there, you can't, there's nowhere to get sent down to. So uh, you kind of have a little bit of cushion in that regard. So uh, definitely just miss kind of the, the kid and child, uh, childish parts for sure the most. And then for signing with Rockford, um, after the season concluded, just took a couple of days to kind of be with the guys in Windsor. We had a great time uh, after the season ended and hanging out and before we all went off our own way. So uh, and then after that, just communication with my agent, kind of finding out uh, where I lot where I was in the sense of for next year and what to do. And uh, he had contacted me about Rockford, uh, said that they really like me, that they're really uh, interested in me, and he likes the organization itself, top to bottom, and it's very classy, first class organization, and. Uh, just kept communication with him and Rockford and just was very happy to sign my, my one year deal with them and very confident that this is the right decision, the right path for me leading forward. And I, I can't wait to get there and I can't wait to start.
I was going to say, and people don't realize how important agents are, especially for um, uh, players that are just transitioning from the uh, Ontario Hockey League to pro hockey. Yeah, they shoot. You need them for sure. Uh, Definitely. Yeah. Okay, and I'm just going to wrap this up. Um, I had to ask you this too. Before a game, do you have a ritual or a favorite pregame meal and maybe some music you like to listen to? My favorite pregame meal would be chicken Alfredo, for sure. I didn't have a ritual. I mean, I put my left to right on for my gear. Um, I kind of, it was like, I wasn't superstitious, but I had little things with individual guys. Like uh, me and Daniel D'Amico would pass each other for one-timers at the end of warm-up. And we'd high five and then chest pump each other. That was our thing when I got there. Uh, yeah. So just kind of little things like that with each individual guy, but nothing superstitious in the sense that um, sacrificing any chickens or anything, or if I didn't have, uh, if I didn't eat Skittles, I'd have a bad game or something like that. Nothing like that. <laughs> okay. Who was the biggest practical joker on the Spitfires? Ah. Uh, I, I don't think practical joker, but the funniest guy was for sure Michael Renwick. Um, I would always tell him that if there was a road to the OHL championship, like you saw on NBC with Road to the Winter Classic yep. for, for NHL, that if someone had to be followed around with a camera for 80% of the time for our road to the OHL championship, I hoped it would be him because it would be entertaining for sure. He is a... Uh, one of the funniest people I've ever played with, for sure. Awesome. And human being, too. And first-class player and bright future ahead of him as well. So it's kind of just the full package in the sense that uh can dial it in for a game and score big goals like game one in Hamilton overtime, but uh can also give you a few laughs and a lot of memories and great relationship in the end as well. And this one I had to ask you, too, Andrew. What was your most memorable moment in the OHL? And did you have a favorite OHL arena to play in? Obviously, Budweiser Gardens, Owen Sound, and at the uh, FU or the FCU Center in Windsor. Was there another arena that you particularly liked playing in? And was there one that you kind of dreaded playing in? Um, my favorite arena to play in was probably other than home when I moved to the home teams was probably Erie because that's close to Cleveland for me, and that was kind of a hometown game for me in the sense that I'd always have 12, I'd always have my friends from high school there. My uncle would always come to that game because he didn't have a passport. <laughs> uh, so it just a lot of family would come to the, those games, and they were actually like uh, like my best points per game. Like I'd always have a good game against Erie. So when we were in Erie, I'd have a good game, and my family would be in town. So uh, – I, I loved playing there for sure. And then my favorite favorite OHL memory would probably be winning the Western Conference final this year. That and probably my goal in game six overtime against Flint. Uh, I just – I probably like – I blacked out after I scored that. It was, it was- wow. <laughs> How, that was a hell of a series against Flint, too. Uh, Sandra Murray had uh, a question or a comment. Um, any advice for your peers that will be playing overseas this coming season? Um, kind of just 
enjoy the moment. I mean, when I was out there, I was at the time the OHL hadn't like canceled their season. So I was every day checking my phone and waiting and waiting for something to come from the OHL to get back home while I was wasting that time thinking about what was back here. That wasn't even a for sure yet at the time I was, I was wasting that energy and meant and my thinking on that when I should have just been in the moment overseas. Like, I mean, people go their whole lives and never leave home. So the fact that I was over there and most of my thought was on back home instead of being there and enjoying it, even though it was COVID, a lot of things were shut down. I didn't do much in that sense, but I definitely could have enjoyed my time mentally better over there instead of worrying about what ifs over here. So I'd say if you go over there and you, you go somewhere amazing, like you should, I've never heard of anyone having a bad experience over in Europe. Like anyone I played with or trained with here in Cleveland, I, I trained with a bunch of guys who play over there and they just say it's some of the most beautiful places they go, some of the best foods they eat. So just, just enjoy it for sure. And don't, don't worry about, what ifs or what things you can't control for sure. Uh, I'm going to tell you something you get, you and Sandra are going to laugh, but I'm 50 years old and I've never even been on an airplane yet. Well, they're kind of scary. Not going to lie. So my grandpa doesn't go on airplanes either because he's scared of them. Fun. Yeah. I'm, I'm more comfortable with trains, cars, automobiles, like the movie. I uh, just airplanes. I should try it once it, just to see, but I know there was a couple NHL players that had a fear of flying, and one of them was Alexander McGillney, who played for the the Sabers and Winnipeg Jets and stuff like that. Hall of Fame career. Yeah, it's not for everyone. So I'm going to wrap this up, uh, Andrew. Uh, the last question: Any advice for those looking to pursue a career in hockey, sports as an athlete, and where can my audience uh, find you on social media? Um, if, if you want to pursue a career in hockey or sports, I would make sure that you love it before you really put time, energy, and money. I got, cause it, 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 when you first start, it's going to cost money and it's for sure a huge dedication to throw yourself into, into something like this. And if you don't really love it, in the end, it's kind of just it will it will just be a waste, in my opinion. Uh, you'll make memories, you'll make relationships, but you'll make them in the sense that you're not at your best person because you you won't be truly happy if you're doing something that you don't you don't love or you're not passionate about. So those relationships will kind of, in a sense, be false or not as true or pure. And those memories, the same concept because something in your brain is telling you that you're not happy where you're at. So I'd for sure try it for sure. Go out and try every sport. That's what I did. I, I wanted to play every sport growing up. I wrestled, I played basketball for one year. I wanted to do every sport. So, but if you don't really love it, um, then maybe it's not for you. Maybe something else, something else is for you. That's great advice. And uh, where can my audience uh, find you on social media if they'd like to follow you? Uh, my Twitter is Andrew Parrot one and then my Instagram is Parrot24. 
Okay. There's so many social media platforms out there nowadays. Yeah, as well. I have TikTok, but it's only because I, I just like to watch. I don't create anything, so TikTok would be pointless. Oh, I'm on TikTok. This 50-year-old man's on TikTok at Live with CDP. And if you check me out there, you'll see me doing a 40-yard dash at a football stadium. And I beat a guy that was half my age. And I didn't pull any hamstrings or hurt my back at all. My so I, just golf, uh, like, courses and golf, like, lessons on how to fix your swing. That's, entire, that's my entire page. Okay. Um, anyways, Andrew, um, I kept you over 45 minutes, but Hey, I want to say thank you so much uh, for coming on live with CDP sports podcast season four, episode 23. I, I would love to have you come back on again, uh, maybe during the season, if that's possible. And, uh, just talk about your experience, uh, going into the American hockey league with the uh, Rockford, uh, ice hogs and how the season's going possibly. Yeah, of course. Okay. Again, thank you so much and enjoy the rest of the summer and all the best to you with Rockford and I'll, I'll be following you on the uh, website, uh, the Ice Hogs website as well. Thank you very much. Thanks, Andrew. Have a good day. Thank you. You as well. Anyways, guys, you can follow Andrew on Twitter at Andrew para one and you can also follow him on Instagram as well. And uh, you can also check out the Rockford Ice Hogs website at icehogs.com as well. So really appreciate Andrew coming on today and talking about his uh, hockey career and also his uh, five years with the Ontario Hockey League as well. Uh, I want to say thank you to everybody watching this podcast live on YouTube facebook and twitter and later on my audio platforms as well before we go guys i'm going to show you a little bit of a clip i meant to show yesterday uh it's from um it's from the uh, vancouver connects tv uh station uh it's just basically a clip of the uh, late great john ashbridge who was the uh, connects longtime public address announcer uh before he passed away in 2018 because one of my guests yesterday al murdoch uh is following in the footsteps of the late john ashbridge so i just wanted to play a bit of this clip courtesy of connects tv ladies and gentlemen your it just was the voice of God, you know, talking to Canuck fans and I think uh, anyone who associated or came to Canuck game or certainly the players, I mean, that was just such a familiar, it just made you comfortable. Uh, you knew you were at a Canucks game and you heard uh, that voice. Final of the goal, 18-43. We've lost a legend. Um, I know that term is, is used a lot, but uh, for fans of, uh, of hockey in the Vancouver Canucks and, and, uh, and broadcasting and uh, fans of really nice people, we've lost a legend. As a player, I, I played uh, over you know, 16 seasons in Vancouver and certainly got to know John well and that voice was what everyone recognized when they came in the arena, but not a lot of people knew the man behind the voice. and. He was such an amazing person, uh, had a, uh, just a great sense of humor and cared for people. And just the outpouring of support in the last couple of days has really affirmed what, a, what an incredible person he was. And uh, it was a big loss. You don't replace a John Ashbridge. It's, it's impossible. I think uh, the, only, the only thing you can do is to, is to respect and continue the legacy that he created. 
you know, back in uh, 1987 when he first started this job. And, uh, and that is what my hope is as I move going forward. Anyways, guys, that clip was courtesy of the uh, Canucks. And uh, like I said, uh, he did the Canucks games uh, from 87 to 2011, a little bit after that. And then Alan Murdoch uh, is following in his footsteps. So I thought that was a little nice piece they did on Canucks TV as well. Um, Sandra Murray, it's been a pleasure supporting Andrew this year. Looking forward to seeing your professional development. Sandra, thank you so much for putting me in touch with Andrew and um, Ryan Humphreys and Riley Pitt as well. And your support of my podcast show means a lot to me as well. And as for Ken, thank you for following me on Facebook and social media in my podcast. And I'm glad you liked it as well. Um, guys, just to let you know, my next live with CDP podcast, 2BA, uh, TBA, which means to be announced. I'm going to take probably a week uh, summer break. And uh, uh, hopefully I'll be doing a podcast uh, before August 27th. So, yeah, I will let you know on my social media pages uh, when I'm doing my next show. Hopefully within a week. I'm just taking a little bit of time off because summer is almost over. And um, I am planning on going to the CNE for the first time since 1983 this Saturday night and to see the Toronto Argonauts take Calgary Stampeders on. So I might do a live interview from the CNE and from BMO Field. So stay tuned for that as well. And before I go, guys, I'm going to just show you some work uh, my one friend did. She created a digi digital business card for me, and I wanted to show it to you right here. And there it is right there. Uh, her name's Martina Burnett. She did a really good job. Special thank you and shout out to my friend Martina Burnett. Uh, you can follow her on Twitter at Epic Queen on Twitter uh, for her hard work in my digital and uh, paper business card as well. I thought she did a really great job. And uh, I'm hoping to get a demo done as well of my uh, work uh, doing my podcast shows as well. So I uh, hope you give me guys, I hope you guys can give me feedback on this, but I thought she did a, ter a terrific job on this as well. And I'm having some paper uh, business cards printed out today. And I'm hoping by next week to have uh, a demo reel made up uh, so I can start putting them into uh, radio stations across Ontario as well. It's basically uh, a video resume of your work in doing my podcast show as well. So I uh, thought she did a great job as well. And that's about it, guys. Uh, before I go, I usually do this. But I'm going to do this again today. But check out Are You Serious? Tap and Grill on 130 Silver Creek Parkway, North and Guelph. 519-766-0230. The official pub of Bill's Mafia in Guelph. They have a good beer selection and they have great anti-heatles. And uh, also their nachos are delicious as well. So check them out. They're just right off, um, off the hand, Highway 6 to Hanlon in Guelph. And uh, good good service, good uh, uh, food, and it's a nice little pub, and they do love their sports there, especially their Buffalo Bills, so hope you can check that out as well. And also, guys, before I wrap up my podcast, I do this with all my shows, Live with CDP Podcast. The audio version is downloaded to Google Podcasts, Anchor FM, Apple Podcasts, Breaker, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, Spotify, CastBox, and LinkedIn as well. 
And also StreamYard is the official live stream provider of Live with CDP podcast as well. And I'm also starting to look for some Guelph local, sorry, some local Guelph area businesses to possibly sponsor Live with CDP, Live with CDP uh, podcast as well. And I'm going to have some announcements to make uh, coming up in the next week and a half, two weeks about my show in in the fall, there's going to be a few changes, and I'm look, looking forward to it. Uh, not major changes, but little minor changes, and uh, uh, some exciting news I want to share with you guys as well. And you guys can also check me out on TikTok at Live with CDP. And also, I'm on LinkedIn under Chris Pome. If you'd like to follow me on LinkedIn, I'm on there as well, Chris Pome on LinkedIn. So check that out. And I am hoping to get some new podcast shirts made up, hopefully in September. I already have a new design picked out, and uh, the shirts would still be about 15 bucks. So if you're interested in getting one of my newly designed podcast shirts in the fall, hopefully September, in the fall, September, October, uh, please let me know because I'd like to get that done as well and also guys uh you can check me out on wordpress.com slash home slash live with cdp.wordpress.com and check out some of my digital stories as well as on there as well that's about it guys again uh you can follow andrew on instagram and twitter at andrew parrot uh number one and uh you can check out his new team the rockford ice hogs dot com website there as well so that's about it for today guys um like i said uh my next live with cdp podcast i'm looking at probably august 27th i am working on some more guests for the end of august into september so uh yeah i'm just gonna take probably about a week's off uh just to enjoy the last week of summer because fall's coming and uh but i will definitely try to post some uh uh, video digital content uh, from the CNE uh, this week, which I haven't been to a live CNE since 1983. And I'm looking forward to seeing the Argonauts and Calgary Stampeders at BMO Field. The Argonauts are 4-4 four and four coming off a um, 34-27 loss to the Hamilton Tiger Cats last Friday at Tim Hortons Field as well. And I want to say a shout out to my friend Nick Small, who came on my podcast a week ago. He's one of the Argonauts of the top fans and one of the most knowledgeable ones as well so um and i'm looking forward to uh, going down to toronto by taking the gold train as well so less stress as well so i uh, again want to say thank you to um my um, guests this week ryan humphrey al murdoch and today's guest andrew parrot for coming on live with cdp um podcast and uh this uh podcast will be available later on audio as as well this is season four episode 23 and this is my uh, 188th show since march of 2020 so uh, i've been very lucky and uh, the guests make a podcast so uh, again been very lucky to get great guests and all that sandra murray thank you again and uh martina burnett thank you again for my uh, business uh digital card that you created for me as well i hope everybody has a great afternoon and great evening and uh we will see you guys in probably about a week's time for another edition of live with cdp podcast which would be season four episode 24 so again thank you to sandra and ken for watching today and everybody later on uh watching on my youtube channel please hit subscribe if you already haven't and hit like to my videos and uh also you can follow me on uh, apple podcast google spotify anchor fm etc so again 
Thank you to Aaron uh, Andrew Parrott for coming on, and uh, we'll see you guys sometime next week for another edition of Live with CDP Sports Podcast. Have a great afternoon and rest of the week, everybody.